0: Hey, good morning. My name is Chad. I'm the pastor here at The Journey. Welcome. Good to see you today. If this is your excuse me your first time here uh, thanks for hanging out with us this morning and uh, we hope you'll fill out one of those connection cards in the seat in front of you and then take it to our guest tent which is actually inside today because it's a little chilly They're right outside these double doors they would love to answer any questions you may have about the journey uh, and then trade you that information for some of our journey t-shirts but uh, thanks for being here try us out five weeks we find after five weeks you get a pretty good feeling of for a church that it can help you on your spiritual journey at the end of that time if it's not Working for you, man. Let me know. I'll help you find a church locally. Uh, if it does, let us know. We'd love to get you connected here into what God is doing in this place. Now, I know you came for this big announcement today, right? Yeah, that was a joke just to get you guys to show up today for Sunday services. I'm gonna get to that later, all right? We're gonna talk for a little bit. And I'm gonna build up the momentum and the tension and. And we'll finish up our time this morning talking about that. So uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, we do have a big announcement today. We are making it the journey. We're pretty excited about it. That'll be at the end of the message. Um, Social media has not been around too long, if you really think about it. In fact, most social media has come about in the last 10 to excuse me, 19 years. Uh, 19 years ago, 2000 and, well, actually 16 years, 2003, Tom launches MySpace. Everybody remember Tom from MySpace? No. Okay. (laughs) Go look up Tom from MySpace. Tom started it back in, in 2003. 2004, Facebook began. 2006, Twitter. 2010, Instagram. 2011, Snapchat. This year, there's like, what, TikTok or TikTok or something that just came out. I mean, this platform and social media is just happening all around us all the time. Social media is not a bad thing. We use it for some good things, right? It's kind of neat that you're able to catch up with your middle school teammate or friend back in the day. You used to eat lunch with them, and you wondered, what are they doing? And and now you get to see a little bit about their life and what they've been up to, and they look a whole lot different now than they did back in middle school. Uh, you get to catch up with the, the person that maybe that was one of your mates in college and you haven't talked to them in a long time and now they're living in some other country and they're part of some organization making a difference in the world. It's like, oh, this is kind of neat to, to be able to see what your life is like. And, and so social media allows us into people's lives. We get to see where they are from, from where we knew them in the past. It's also a great opportunity to, for us to, to keep up with people in terms of, hey man, they're really struggling with something. They're, they're sick, uh, there's disease, there's brokenness that's there. Maybe Maybe you're getting to the point now where it's like I'm seeing a lot more death in people that I, I used to know. And so it's an opportunity to say, hey, I support you, and I'm encouraging you, I'm here for you. And, and I always find that that's a great use of, of social media. But I think the number one best reason to have social media is so you and I can share our political opinions. <laughs> and There's no better method for sharing our political opinions than social media. I mean, it's amazing just the cordial conversations that are had between these two different people. Incredible. So keep doing that. It's wonderful. Now, actually, my favorite thing about social media, passive-aggressive comments, right? If you were to go on there right now, which some of you are doing because you're already bored, you kind of wait until the announcement, and you're on there right now, and you're looking, <laughs> you can go on the Journey page and make passive-aggressive comments on our, our Journey feed that we have right now on Facebook. But, you know, you, you see that all the time. And it's like, where is that coming from? Because I'm pretty sure that's being passive-aggressive. Maybe you've heard some some comments like this. Well, I just had an interesting conversation. Okay. What was the conversation? Can you share it with us? We'd really like to know because you're telling us something just happened that you're not going to tell us about, and it's passive-aggressive, and your friend's probably reading this right now and thinking, "Uh uh-oh, we've got some problems within this relationship. Or here's another one. Thanks to all my real friends who checked in on me. (laughs) You're like, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe they're talking to, to me. And then if you're Christian, because uh, there's Christian passive-aggressives, too. I don't know if you know that or not, but there actually are. Maybe you use Bible verses, right? And so here's the one you'd put up. Revelation 21.8, this is for you. (laughs) And everybody's like, it's out of Revelation, so it must be bad. I wonder what it says, right? So let's go ahead and show you what it says. Here's what it says in Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars they will be consigned to the fire lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? So today, if somebody makes you angry, just say Revelation 21.8. Just start putting it on your Facebook page. I'm sure everything will be fine. Hey, being passive-aggressive feels really good, doesn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. We've all done it. But we also know it's wrong. And usually being passive-aggressive comes from this place of anger. It comes from bitterness And like this series, it comes from bad relationships, the bad blood we have in relationships with people around us. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been in the series Bad Blood, and we've been talking about relationships because this is a season of relationships. Uh, We've got Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got Christmas coming up. That means you're going to be working harder, and you're going to be around your coworkers more, and then there's probably your business Christmas parties, holiday parties. You've got family and friends you're going to spend a whole lot more time with. And so if there's not already bad blood within some of these relationships, it's times like this where bad blood shows up. And so we've been asking this question, how do we deal with bad blood in the relationships that we have with people many times that we care about and we love? As we started this series, um, in fact, over the past couple of weeks, we've been hitting the same theme verse throughout, and it comes out of the book of Romans, which is actually a letter. And in Romans twelve eighteen, the writer Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so the first week, we talked about how we've got to own that bad blood that's there, that we can't rely on that other person. If that bad blood's coming from them, we can't rely on them to be the one like, hey, I need to fix this. We've got to do it. And so that means we start from a place of empathy. We get to understand different perspectives of where they're coming from, and hopefully that can help us move toward this place of peace. And then last week, we talked about forgiveness, and we talked about how unforgiveness actually kills us. Like physically, it will kill us. And so we've got to learn to let go and begin to let God move us toward these moments of forgiveness when there's bad blood in our relationships. But we really haven't said what's a step that we can take. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about the first step that we need to take when there's bad blood in our relationships. Last week, if you were here, I started out by saying that forgiveness begins with sin. Because something has to happen to get us to this place of where we have to seek forgiveness, where we're, we're trying to mend and heal this relationship. And so forgiveness begins with sin. It begins with something that has happened, some harm, some hurt towards someone else. And so forgiveness begins with sin. But then Jesus says, hey, when that happens, here's the step I need you to take. Here's the step that I need you to take. It comes out of the book of Matthew, Matthew 18. We're actually going to spend our time there this morning. <clears throat> Jesus is discipling his disciples. He's actually coaching them and helping them, them out. And in Matthew 18, 15, he writes these words. or He says these words. If your brother or sister sins against you, your translation may say, if a believer sins against you, they're talking about the same thing. You're talking about if your follower of Jesus and another follower of Jesus sins against you, then there's steps that you've got, got to take. If your brother or sister sins against you. Now, now, Here's kind of what we wish it would say, right? We wish Jesus had said, if your brother or sister sins against you, tell everyone in your small group. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I'm going to tell you what happened this week. Let me just go ahead and share that. Or maybe if your brother or sister sins against you, post passive-aggressive comments on Facebook. And some of us do that. Let's just be honest. That, that is the step that we take. This is what we want to do because this is all about revenge. Again, we talked about revenge last week. Someone harms us and we want to harm them back. We want them to feel the same hurt and pain that you and I have felt. And so we seek revenge, but that's not what Jesus says here. Jesus doesn't say be passive aggressive, say something to your small group. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go. Now we wish kind of Jesus had left it there, like go, and then you figure it out, like go, go to your computer, write something about someone, right? This is what we wish. Go to your friends and and smear that other person, gossip about them, go to your fridge, eat a pint of ice cream to make yourself feel better. Whatever it may be, we wish there was something that that Jesus just said, hey, here's your deal. You figure it out. Do whatever you want. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go privately. Jesus gives like the worst coaching advice ever, right? (laughs) We're like, for real? I can't talk about them. I can't gossip. I can't seek revenge. No, Jesus says go privately. Go privately to them and have a conversation with them. We want revenge, not a conversation. But Jesus says go privately. Go to that person. Go to that group of people. Have that conversation. But here's why this is so hard for us. We hate conflict. We hate it. I've shared this before, I absolutely abhor conflict. I cannot stand conflict. For me, everything's great, right? Life is great. Relationships are great. Why are you angry? Why are you bitter? Why are you mad? I don't understand this. I'll live in peace. Everything's going to be wonderful. That's kind of my, my MO. That's my personality. Now, being in ministry 21 years, I've had to learn how to deal with conflict, and I'm so much better at it now than I used to be back in the day. I used to just run from it. Now it's like i got to attack it. i got to make sure that, that this doesn't swell into anything else. But most of us don't really enjoy conflict. There's probably two or three of you in here like, man, I love it. I love conflict. <laughs> And you're always looking for it and you want to jump into the fray i get it you're all attorneys that's why you're in that line of field um i'm just kidding attorneys um but really some of us we're kind of geared toward that right we love that 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 blood boiling when when conflict arises but most of us hate it we don't want to deal with the conflict and here's what happens we go privately to that individual to have that conversation there's already conflict there right and then we go to them to have this talk we go privately to begin this conversation and here's what we know is going to happen, more conflict, because you've got to deal with it. And part of the step of taking this first move towards bringing peace to this relationship is having this conversation, which more than likely is going to bring a little bit more tension to that relationship. And so we're fearful of taking that step. And yet Jesus says, go privately, go and deal with the conflict is there. When there's hurt and when there's pain coming from someone else and you've owned this relationship and you found this this, this empathy within you and you're getting this different perspective, man, the first step that we have to do is go privately to them and have this conversation. It's going to be hard. There's already conflict there. More than likely there's going to be conflict as we begin this healing process with them. But Jesus says, you have to do this. This is a step you have to take. And being face-to-face with them is the best step that we can take. It minimizes any kind of misunderstandings that may be there. Uh, We get to see each other face-to-face. We get to hear from each other face-to-face. That's so much different than trying to have a conversation on Facebook with someone, right? When there's conflict within that relationship. And so Jesus says, here's your first step. When you're looking for peace in a relationship, go privately to that person and have that conversation but there's another angle to this too over the past couple of weeks as we've been talking through this we've really been talking about what if the bad blood's coming from someone else what, what if it's coming from some other person and and that bad blood's coming toward us what about if i'm the problem what if i'm the the beginning point of the bad blood in that relationship with someone what are we supposed to do then What's well, crazy because Jesus actually talks about that, too, in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, here's what it says. Jesus, by the way, he's, he's giving this big message. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to all these people. And he's giving them all these incredible teachings. I, I don't know how they, they were able to absorb everything that he taught that particular day. But here's what Jesus told them on Matthew 25. He says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. You and I have big days in life, right? Like the, the, the first day of school when you, were, you went to kindergarten, that was, that was a big day. Your first date, your first kiss, maybe the first time you, you drove the car by yourself, that first job that you had, um, that, that first, um, first marriage that you had. I mean, all of these things are—I was just kidding about first marriage there, okay? <laughs> just a joke. Uh, some of you are like, nope, that's true. Um, but, but it is. Those are big days for us. The first day your kids don't ask you for money, a huge day in your house. But there's all these firsts, right, these big days that you and I have in our life and we're excited about and we rem- remember them. Our birthday is a big one. For the Jewish faith, their big day happened every single year, and it was known as the Day of Atonement. Uh, you probably better know it by Yom Kippur, which the Jewish faith celebrated not too long ago. This dates back all the way to actually when the Israelites were in the desert and were coming out of, of their slavery in Egypt. Um, God's like, hey, I want you to remember who I am. And so he, he invited them every year to do this day of atonement where you would give this sacrifice and it would cleanse you and your family of all their sins for that year prior. And so Jesus is alluding to this big day and the life and the rhythm of these Jewish people he's like hey you've got this big day right and and every year you'd have to go to jerusalem for yom kippur and every year you would go there and you would sacrifice an animal to take care of the sins of your family for that year prior and so you had this clean slate moving into the, the next year that was that was coming up but there was a big big piece to this that the jewish people believed and jesus is reiterating this here If there was some struggle in a relationship, if there was tension in a relationship between you and another human being, if you went ahead and made your offering to God, your sacrifice, for them, God wasn't going to take it. That relationship wasn't whole yet. That relationship hadn't been reconciled yet. That relationship wasn't where it needed to be. And so for the Jewish faith, they said, this is so important to us, that your relationships are where they need to be before you take this step of, of asking God to forgive you and your family of your sins for this year. And so Jesus is actually going back to that and saying, hey, if, if you come to Yom Kippur one day and you walk into the temple and you, you've got your, your sacrifice in hand and, and as you would come into the temple you'd actually walk through the, the court of the gentiles and then you'd walk through the court of the men and then you'd walk or the women and then you'd walk through the court of the men and then there was the court of the priests and you couldn't go in there. That's where the priests were but if you were to get up to that front of that line and and, and here's what Jesus says. I, I love this piece here. He says and you suddenly remember I feel like Jesus is kind of giving us an out right there, right? Like we don't suddenly remember that we've wronged someone else. I mean, that's always there. That's always a part of who we are. We know that we've said something terrible to our spouse the week before. We know, we've yelled at someone in the office and said some things to them we shouldn't have said, you know, three weeks prior to that. We know these things. And yet Jesus is kind of like, if suddenly you remember, but I think he's saying, hey, you remember, you, you know. But he's like, if you're waiting in line, and I can't even imagine, because everybody is there. I can't imagine how long this line is. It's probably like Disney World, right? And it's like all this big people there, and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and you're kind of getting up to the front, and finally you've been waiting there for maybe like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine hours. You're like, "Shoo, finally get up here, and suddenly you're like, oh, gosh. I said something yesterday I shouldn't have said. Man, I posted something on Facebook two weeks ago I shouldn't have posted. Man, I'm doing this in my life, and it's hurting my family. Hey, can you hold my lamb for a second? Can you keep my space in line? I'm going to be right back. I'm going to deal with this. And that's what Jesus says. He, he says, you've got to deal with it right then and there. You cannot wait. Your sacrifice isn't going to go through because you haven't taken care of the, the family relationships or the friend relationships or the coworker relationships that are broken because of you. And here's actually what Jesus says next. He says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go. Jesus loves this word when it comes to relationships, I think. He says, go privately, right? Go privately. Have this conversation with this other person who's wronged you. Now, now here he's saying, hey, now your job is if you've wronged somebody and you're getting ready to sacrifice, you, you need to go too. And in fact, here's how it finishes it out. It says, go and be reconciled to that person. Um, reconciled means we want peace in that relationship. We want healing in that relationship. That we don't keep this conflict going. And it doesn't say go to that person and and make the conflict worse. Jesus says go to them and reconcile to that person. Find peace in that relationship. Now what is reconciliation? Reconciliation really is repentance. It's repentance that we do. It's it's going to someone and confessing the wrong that we've done. Confessing the words that we've said. The actions that we have taken. Now, (laughs) again, we're not very good at this at all. Because here's what we'll usually do. We'll go in and begin this process of talking about, hey, I'm sorry for this, but, but we'll throw in lines like, well, I'm sorry if that offended you, right? We may ask for all this forgiveness, but we'll throw that if word in there. Like, if this offended you, I'm sorry. That's not how this works. Or, or we'll say something like, I didn't know you were so sensitive to, to those words. <laughs> right? Exactly, you've done it before. That's why you're laughing. So you say those words and like, eh, that just kind of negates everything that you've just done in that moment. We're terrible when it comes to looking for and seeking out repentance. What we like to do is to pile on. What does this look like? Repentance says, hey, I'm going to go to this person privately and I'm going to reconcile with them. And here's how this is going to work. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then you're going to say, this is what I'm sorry for. This, this is the list. If you, if you go to a counselor and, and you've got this kind of tension within a relationship, forgiveness needs to take place. This is exactly what they will tell you to do. If you've ever been to any kind of marriage counseling or marriage ser- seminars, this is what they tell you to do. You say you're sorry and then you tell exactly what you did. Hey, I'm sorry that I fill in the blank whatever it may have been. I, I'm here to seek your forgiveness. Kara and I have been married for 20 years and um, I wish I could tell you that she comes to me all the time, like, man, I'm so sorry. This is what I did. Would you please forgive me? And if you know my wife, I think in our marriage she's probably done it twice, and that's probably two times too many. She probably didn't need to do it the other two times. It's been me. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I said this. I didn't know you were so sensitive to those words. (laughs) Honestly, I think I did that a couple times when we first got married. Guys, if you've done that before, it doesn't turn out very pretty, does it? I think 10 years later, she actually let me sleep back in the bedroom with her. But, uh, but that's really how it is. I mean, we sometimes think that. But I can tell you that learning to say you're sorry, specifically in a marriage situation, I'm sorry, here's what I've done. Will you forgive me? And that has done wonders for our marriage. And I can promise you it does wonders for the relationships that you have, whatever those relationships may look like. When there is bad blood that's there, when we say, I am sorry, we mean it from the bottom of our heart. This is what I did to you. This is how I hurt you. Please forgive me. It doesn't mean right there in that moment things are going to be perfect. Now, sometimes it may, it may be everything that that person needs, and, and it may change that relationship right then and there. Most of the time, there's still going to be some tension there. And a lot of times, there may still be some conflict that that may arise from that, but you've you've taken that first step. You've said, hey, I'm going to go to that person. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm not going to spread it all over the world so the whole world knows. I'm going to deal with this in a healthy way, a Christ-like way, and go to that person and privately have that conversation and look for reconciliation and repentance and apologize. It's the best first step that we can take when it comes to seeking forgiveness And the relationships we have when there is bad blood. And Jesus always says, go. Doesn't say wait. Doesn't say take your time. He says, go. Go and bring healing to this relationship. And if you're like me, that's exactly what you want. You and I desire and want healing in these relationships where there is bad blood present. Jesus says, you want it? This is what this is going to look like. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But your first step, my first step, is to go. Do you know why people show up at church on Sunday mornings? There's three reasons. I, I believe people come to church uh, and attend any church on Sunday mornings. First, um, the first reason is God. Uh, people are trying to figure out this god thing right and so maybe some of you went back to church or or at church because you're trying to figure out god who is god what's god all about and you know i've heard about god i'm trying to figure out this relationship with god what does that look like and so a lot of people show up at church because of god Uh, a second reason people show up to church is because of kids Uh, statistics show research shows that usually when kids go to college now or people go to college now they leave the church okay Um, they leave the church and then they start dating and then you get married and you're a couple and then you start having kids you're like these these little monsters are crazy they need some religion right and and so you come to church because like I remember back in the day I went to church and it seemed to help me out pretty well and I haven't been a long time and so you show up to church and so maybe you're here at the journey because of that you know you're you're kids and you're like hey, I want my kids to have religion and so you come to church for that Um, but the third reason I believe people come to church is because of relationships and I'm talking about broken relationships that we show up trying to figure out God, right? And maybe trying to figure out our kids a little bit, but, but because there's some kind of brokenness in the relationships we have, that there's some tension and struggle that's there with, with you and your spouse or you and your fiance and you and your boyfriend and girlfriend, with you and your mom and dad, with your kids, with your family, with friends. There's some brokenness in our relationships. And so we show up to church looking for some answers, looking for some path that we can take. And hopefully we show up in a series like this so we can kind of look at that like, hey, this this is helping me kind of think through these relationships that I have where there is this the struggle and this tension that that is there. But, but I truly believe this is one of the three reasons that, that people, or these are the three reasons people show up in church. And, and I know that because of the stories and the conversations I've had in my 20 years of, of being in ministry and with some of you here. That's why you showed up here at The Journey. Now, this is the transition into the big announcement, okay, if you haven't figured this out yet. Um, we love being a church, being a place where people can come and meet God for the first time. And build that relationship with Christ. We love being a church where, man, we have an incredible kids ministry downstairs and teen ministry that is interacting and helping our kids, you know, take those next steps in their faith. But we love being a church where people can come with those relationships that are hurting, that are broken, that are struggling, where there's tension. And you come here and you start to find healing. And when you share with me, my marriage is better because of what I heard and what I experienced, because of my small group, because of this conversation with somebody, that's what we love to hear that God is doing amazing things in people's lives. I, I love, and I think this is a part of, I know this is a part of why we exist as a church. Jesus actually tells us that this is what we're supposed to be about. He, he uses the same word we've read twice today. In Matthew 28, known as the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Like, sometime I want to do a, a study on the word go and how many times Jesus says it. I ran, just ran across this this past week. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Jesus keeps saying this, right? It's not just stop and wait. It's not just kind of hang out and hope something happens. It's always go. There's this action that you and I have to take in our lives. And so Jesus is telling these followers of his right here in this moment, he's going to go back into heaven. He's like, Go. I want you to go. I want you to impact people's lives. I want you to tell my story. I want you to teach people my teachings. I want you to show them what it looks like to obey me. I want you to baptize, baptize them. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, I know some of you are like, what is that weird thing up on stage today? It's been up here for the past three weeks. Uh, over the two, last two weeks, we've baptized two people, Tim and Carrie Lee. Today, at the end of our service, for you guys, you guys haven't got to experience that yet. It's been the second service. But um, uh, Doug Jones is going to be baptized at the end of our service today. And that's what Jesus told us to do, right? That, that's what we are called to do, to go. As a church, um, God has been doing some Crazy stuff here at the, the Journey. And if you're brand new, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, let me kind of show you what, what I, I mean. I want to put a graph up here on the screen. I shared this one a little bit earlier, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. If you look at our average um, Sunday mornings from 2014 to 2018, you can kind of see the growth rate that, that we have, have had there. Uh, here's the neat thing, and, and you, you probably don't even think about this. Um, Our church has continued to grow over the past, over those uh, five years that are up there. This is not normal in churches, okay? I I can't tell you how truthful that is. This is not normal that churches experience any kind of growth. Most churches have plateaued, uh, and in fact, the majority of churches are declining, And it's sad. It breaks my heart to even think about that. But that's the culture that we live in today. That's what is happening all around us. The church in America, some people say it's dying. I don't agree with that. I think God's doing incredible things in other ways. And Church planting is a big part of that. Um, we're beginning to plant more churches and start more churches that are actually dying, which is a good thing in America. Uh, most people who are far from God wouldn't show up in a church that's been around for 200 years, but they'll show up in a church that's two weeks old, uh, and God is using that in incredible ways. But for our church to be growing, it's just it's an incredible thing to, to see. But let me put in 2019 numbers. Yeah, exactly. Geez. Wow. All those words. Somebody else probably said something terrible, but that's good. Um, (laughs) This is what's been happening this year. Okay. And uh, I I tell you guys this all the time. There's nothing special we're doing. All right. Again, our marketing plan is what? It's a sign. We put one sign up. People see it. Some of you have driven past it for a year and a half, two years. Like, you know, finally we decided we'd come in here and check you guys out. Like two years. You could have done it before now. But you did. And that's what we care about. Um, but here's the other thing, you guys invite people, and so you don't need a marketing strategy when you invite people. I don't know how many people I talk to says, hey, we came here because someone invited us, or because we were on some, uh, for a lot of our military families, we were on some military forum looking for churches. Somebody said, check it out. We did. We loved it. We stuck around. It's incredible to me to just kind of see how God is working here, that God continues to grow this church, and we see, again, what this looks like. And it's been crazy for us as a staff, okay? I can promise you this year, it's been amazing, but it's also been crazy and incredible at the same time. Last Sunday morning, we had 740 people here in our building. That's a little bit beyond fire marshal code, okay? (laughs) A wee bit. Um, This service last week was about 230, 240 people in here. Last week, um, we had 207 kids from nursery through 12th grade downstairs that's bigger than like 95 percent of the churches in america today um again we're just kind of doing what we think is right and how god is leading us and and you keep inviting people and that sign must be anointed by the holy spirit and people keep showing up um and, and this church keeps growing and, uh, and so we've had to decide what do we do what is our next best step for us as a church and so we figured out we had two options the first option was to say, um, can some of you stop coming to church? But that's not a great option, right? Some of you are like, please, point, please ask us, us. The church exists exactly for you, so you need to stay, and that's why we don't do that. Here's our other option. Uh, we've got to do something to alleviate the tension here. Here's the deal. If you were here last week during this service, and I just looked out a little bit ago, Um, parking is at a premium, right? I think last week the parking guy came up to me like, hey, dude, we had to actually block in a couple of people. I'm like, don't tell me that. I don't want to have that knowledge if somebody sues us, right? So that's your deal. Thanks for letting me know so we can talk about it. But still, I don't really want to know that stuff. Um, And then we've got kids' classes downstairs where they've got 22 to 25 kids in there at one time. It's just, it's not teachable at that moment. It's, don't take this wrong, parents. I got kids. It's like a zoo and you're just kind of corralling the animals for the most part and um it's a struggle right and it's a good struggle man this is a huge opportunity this isn't a problem we keep talking about opportunities in our staff it's it's not a it's not a problem at all so we had to say what do we do what do we do and so on january 19th 2020 we are actually going to go to three services here at the journey next there you go you can clap for that and some people said hey you're gonna do saturday night and i'm like nope i love our staff too much uh, some said, hey, you're going to do Sunday night? And I said, nope, I love being married too much, okay? <laughs> and so we're going to do three services on Sunday morning, starting January 19th, 2020. Some of you are like, why not start at the beginning of the year? This gives us a little bit of momentum or a little time to talk a little bit more about this at the beginning of the year. But we'll have services at 30, 10, and 11.30. We're making everybody change the time that they come to church here at The Journey. <laughs> If you don't, you'll keep coming to the service, and there won't be anybody at the early service. So 30, 10, and 11.30 are going to be our new service time starting January nineteenth, 2020. Let me be honest with you for a moment. I've told our staff this. I was trying to figure out every way possible for us not to do this, okay? Because I know this means more volunteers. I know this is going to put extra stress on our staff. I know that. But there just comes a point in time you're like, what is God doing, and what do I want to do? And this, again, this conversation we've had in staff meetings, I was like, I think God's telling us to go, and our staff's like, let's go. This is something that we have got to do. This is something that we've got to move. We want to make more room for people on Sundays here at The Journey. We want to have space for people to come into this place, not so you can have a whole row to yourself and lounge, okay, but so that we can invite more and more people to come and be a part of what's happening here. there's even more cool stuff. I'm not going to get into details. There's there's a group of people in our community, about 80% do not go to church right now because the church doesn't make it easy for them to get to. We're in the planning stages of figuring out how do we do that in such a way that we can reach 80% of the people who are far from God because they don't go to church anymore because of that. Hey, that again, I can't tell you the details out. We're working on that, but I'm excited to think about what that may look like for us here at The Journey. God's doing some... Cool stuff. And, and again, as I tell our staff, this is in spite of me. This is in spite of our staff. This is in spite of our leaders. God's at work. In two months from now, we may be back down to 200 people. I, I don't know. But right now, there's this momentum, and God is leading us. And this has given us an opportunity to help more people take next steps towards Jesus. And that is what this church is about. Now, what does this mean for you and me as a part of the journey? Here's the first thing uh, we need to pray. We're inviting you to pray. Even if you don't pray, just start praying, okay? Uh, Pray for the journey. Pray for this place. Pray for what God is doing. Um, Pray for our staff uh, as we work towards this, uh, as we move forward. Pray. This is an important step that we're taking as a church, and we truly believe in this as a staff and as leaders. Uh, Our our coaches we talked to yesterday, our volunteer coaches, man, they're excited about this, and so we're excited to, to see where God leads us. So we need to pray. Here's the second thing I would say. We need to invite. Keep inviting people to go. We need to go, sorry. Um, For me, I would say we need to invite. Go, invite people to come be a part of what's happening here. Keep doing that. Don't give up on that. People's lives are being changed because we are taking the time to invite people to come. And so go back when you leave this place over the next couple of weeks and begin to have those conversations like, hey, we're making room for you and we'd love to see you be here. So we need to go. And then the last thing is, that we need to serve and you knew this was coming um, we have about 140 slots volunteer slots we need to fill uh, as we move into this third service um, most of the time you're like okay here it goes they're gonna ask us to do this today we're not asking you to do anything today we're not asking you to take a step to serve today N- next week we are going to have a visual that will help you see where our needs are and those opportunities lie so you can jump in it's like hey i want to help out here now, we'll have 100 people here next week after I said that, but this is kind of going to be in three stages that we're going to be doing this. And so next week as you come, man, just be ready. And if you're already volunteering somewhere, like maybe go to your volunteer leader, your coach, like, hey, where can I help? How can I jump in? What can I do? This is an incredible opportunity we have. And as I think about it, it goes back to those reasons that people are far from God and, and want to come to church. is because they're looking for God. They're looking for some kind of spiritual answers. <laughs> they're looking for a place to take their kids, and we don't really have a whole lot more space for kids. This allows us to expand that. And then lastly, there are broken relationships all over the place. And this is the place where healing and hope is found. And so we invite you to to be a part of what God is doing here at The Journey as we move toward this over the next couple of months. We'll get more information out to you over the next, uh, this week and and beyond. but, But jump in, be a part. If you're brand new, don't hesitate, don't wait. Serve alongside of us. And let's see what God is doing for us, and let's see where this leads us as a church. Right now, we're going to take communion together as a church family, as a, as a church community. And as we do that today, I mean, this is, uh, again, this, this series is about forgiveness. It's about finding that forgiveness and seeking that forgiveness in our relationships. And one of the most important is the one that we have with Jesus and so this Sunday morning, like every Sunday morning here at The Journey, as we take the bread, as we take the juice, it is an opportunity for you and I to remember that we're forgiven. That even when we fail against other people, we sin against them, uh, when we write things that are passive-aggressive, whatever it may be, that God's still forgiveness. us. Now, we have steps that we've got to take to bring peace to that relationship. But God's already said, hey, I've brought peace to you already through my son Jesus. Now, you go out and live that in your life too.